0: And I'm so let's smoke, I got to I've been high since the last song oh. And i just been smoking
1: and smoking
0: Smoke mm-hmm. another block, roll another up You know that we can
1: really ease your mind Every time I smoke a river that in your makes me fly If everybody
2: smoked a blubber relieve the mind, The world could be a better place If everybody took a break and we
1: all just get wasted
0: Good afternoon. You're listening to Cannabis Corner on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, broadcasting live from downtown New Haven. We are also streaming live on TuneIn Radio and newhavenindependent.org. We're also streaming live video on Facebook. Just go to facebook.com slash Independent or slash Media, Or you can go to your Facebook page, uh, look up C first, and you can uh, see all the great programs that we have here on WNHHLP. And Cannabis Corner is also streaming on procannabismedia.com. It is Monday, October the 30th, 2023, one day before Halloween. I am your host. Joe LaChance. I am joined here today by, of course, the my illustrious co-host,
3: Uncle Lou, Farmer Lou. How are you today? Doing well, my brother. Doing well. You know, another beautiful weekend, mixed weekend, in all honesty, which was really cool. It was uh, Saturday was bright and gorgeous, and Sunday was a little bit more uh, in tune with the holiday and the uh The, the, the season. spirit. Yes,
0: yes, yes, it's yes. The spirit
3: of the season, you know? So it was uh, it was an interesting weekend overall, which is really cool. Um, and, it's yeah. always a pleasure talking with you and having our guest today. I'm really yeah. excited about today's guest, you know?
0: Yeah. Um, oh, absolutely. So- it's going to be a great show. we got a lot of good stuff to talk about. We're going to get down and dirty into the nitty gritty of how... The states, our 50 states are doing as far as their cannabis justice. So uh, they're going to get a scorecard today, I'm getting a grade. They're going to school. But anyway, um Lou, I wanted to bring on, of course, our newest addition to the show, uh, the lovely uh Kristen Sousa. Kristen is the owner of the Sugar Leaf Boutique, and she's also a great social media person, great consultant new addition to the show welcome Kristen. how are you today what's going on in Kristen's corner how was
1: your weekend hello hello it was very good um i mean kind of quiet as far as you know activities but an uneventful weekend is not necessarily a bad thing and uh you know kind of like we were saying spirit of the season i did some halloween stuff nice i do not have a costume so i gotta pull one together in like the next 24 hours or i'm just going as me
0: Classic Kristen, that's your costume. There you go. You know? <laughs> People asked me that. I was out and about this weekend, too. People were saying, well, where's your costume? I said, I'm here. I'm as Joe the weed guy. You know? I said, I'm in costume all the time. <laughs> representing my brand. <laughs> so, And that's, yeah, that's what I did. Yeah. So, yeah, for me, it was kind of the opposite. I had a very busy weekend.
1: Yeah. I was Living <laughs> vicariously.
0: Well, you know, I'm back in Connecticut for a while.
3: Uh, and I am going to be... So with curious. that, let's give a shout-out to Duncan. Let's give a big shout-out to Duncan, who owns Better Ways in um, Brantford, Connecticut. He, he I, definitely showed out this weekend, and we'll start with that one. Yes,
0: Duncan, yes. I, I was going to say, I did end up... Uh, I Saturday, I visited the Canna Warriors in Hamden. That was very nice. Uh, I had a good time there. And uh, let's see, I also visited a different place in Hamden which I hadn't been before that was kind of an interesting experience but Sunday was the day you're right Lou big shout out to Duncan Duncan came down to Shelton picked me up and took me on an adventure on Sunday on that dreary day it was perfect um we visited a place in Connecticut we made a lot of progress I would say in the cannabis community this weekend some fences were mended i was very happy with what went on in that part and then we headed up to hexpo you know that event we talked about last week and that was a blast that was just a great time lou i got to see our good friend the hippie chick i got to see um beth waterfall Of course, Bobby and Bailey, um, Josh Mohawk was there. All our good friends from Massachusetts were there, Lou, and uh, really good time. Nice after party. A lot of good vendors. Exactly what Bobby said it would be is what it was. It was a, a mixture of Halloween and cannabis. It was green Halloween. It was very, very nice.
1: It's perfect. So perfect I'm
0: enjoying my time back. Um, I'm getting out and about seeing my friends, feeling the love from Connecticut. You know, really, you know, this is my home and uh, I'm glad to be back. I really had a good time. I'm glad to see that there's been a lot of progress made in the cannabis community uh, towards that goal of unity, cooperation and just forward progress and evolution. So speaking of events, Kristen, what do we got going on? (laughs) What do we got going
1: on
0: this weekend? This week, this weekend, a few things, right?
1: Yeah, we do have a few things and I'm kind of loving that, you know, like you said, this is my little project is to pull together a listing of the events and activities and advocacy efforts going on in the state. And I really enjoy knowing what's going on and as opposed to finding out after the fact and being like, man, I would have wanted to go to that. So,
0: Right. <laughs> it happens to me all the time.
1: All the time. <laughs>
0: That's why I wanted to have this segment. So more so I know what's up. But go yeah. ahead.
1: Um, so one of the things, um, you know, friends, Kibra and Kevnisha, they are going to be speakers. Um, and the event is the What's Next for Us roundtable. So that's hosted by the National Association of African-Americans, and it's going to be at the Dixwell House in New Haven. Okay. Um, so registration is still open. Uh, they are both speakers, and I believe the panel was maybe six to eight different folks. So they'll be, among other voices, just kind of talking about what's next and a roundtable discussion. Um, so that looks really interesting, and I'm you know, definitely interested in checking that one out. Uh, speaking of Halloween, yeah, that there's... Be good. Yeah, yeah. I love watching those ladies speak. They're so articulate and just
0: like- But there is some Halloween (laughs) stuff going on, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. So as far as Halloween, um, actually, another shout out for Duncan. So Better Ways LLC is uh, doing something in Brantford uh, tomorrow night. So it's the Brantford downtown trick or treat. And so, you know, you can walk up and down Brantford, trick or treat with the kids. He'll be having candy at the store. And he's also going to have some CBD infused items for the adults. So there'll be CBD infused apple cider and things like that. Um, so he's right on Main Street in Brantford, Connecticut, if you want to go check that out.
0: Yes, support your local business. If you're in the Brantford area and you're going, hanging out and doing that trick or treat thing, you get some free candy, maybe get a little CBD for yourself. I mean, it's really important that we support this local vendors. You know, that's one thing that came to mind um, as far as, uh, you know, when I go out to these events and I talk to these people, it's a struggle out there. I'm going to be honest with you. You Yeah, this this new law has hurt a lot of people, but even before the new law, you know, it's a struggle out there to be a small entrepreneur, especially in a niche market. And it's very, very important that we support the members of our community who have taken that. It's a big leap, as you know. Um, No, and.
1: Oh, and I say, and to add to that, you know, especially with this, you know, rolling into the holiday seasons and shopping, it's very easy to default to kind of the online shopping, but especially in the cannabis community, we always speak of like supporting local, know your farmer, know your grower. I think that's equally important when you're, you know, your consumption accessories go to the smaller businesses, the locally owned head shops, you know, a glassblower, support local
0: glassblowers
1: right off the tip of my tongue, you know, and, and I have no aversion to production glass but a little pitch for you know american-made glass the artists are local you'll get to know who made it sometimes they'll do customs for you yep. so yeah absolutely. absolutely
3: it's it's
0: it's it's an awesome thing and and uh you know i think that's what this uh country was built on you know small business grassroots and we got to stick with that uh absolutely. so what else is up anything good
1: I'm trying to think. Um, well, the NICAN speaker application link is open. So if anybody in the community is interested in sharing their knowledge, their expertise, whether they are considering being a speaker on their own topic or joining a panel, um, the application link is open. So whether it's Boston, Connecticut, both, all of yeah. the above, um, you know, I urge you to take a peek at that. Maybe think about what you would be interested in sharing with the community, sharing our knowledge, and just helping educate folks. Um, So that link is open now.
0: Very good. And I did hear of some other couple mushroom events next week. So get prepared for that. The 9th and the 10th. Yeah. um, If you're interested in psychedelics, but we'll talk more about that on next week's show. But put them on your calendar. Put the 9th and the 10th if you're interested in psychedelics. Uh, There's going to be a couple of great events coming up in Connecticut. And that seems to be what I've noticed. The next thing. You know what I'm saying? So in other words, yes, we have cannabis legalized. And now we have a blueprint on how to legalize something. Uh, And I think, you know, I I find it very heartening that uh, now that psilocybin and, and, you know, psychedelics are becoming the next frontier, you know, because that is also another medicinal thing that we're talking about, you know. And warriors. Yeah, go ahead, Luke.
3: You know we, and I appreciate all this, and I know that mushroom legalization, psilocybin legalization, is going to move way quicker than cannabis. There's a completely different um, outlook on it, I believe, and we're seeing that the legalization of mushrooms is pushing much faster than than uh, cannabis has moved. And um, I'm excited because our guests today all know a whole ton of this. But once they know all about it, they're on the frontier. Yeah. One thing I want to say is that, you know, especially with the group that we have today, it's very important to understand that, you know, as things and laws and everything become legalized, the laws aren't as favorable as people would want. But we can also do our own part to making sure we're not allowing that access for those small loopholes. So people like Kristen and Duncan that open up shops, our good friend Mike. Uh, good enough, you know, when you open your shop, you want to open an actual shop. You know, you have to be a business to be in business, is what I tell a lot of people. You have to be able to accept payments, you have to, which are hard, you know, it's very hard to accept payments yeah, for but- what we feel, but you have to at least be there, yes. um, be a part of it versus somebody in the audience yelling and screaming. So, exactly. That's, that's a big part of supporting the local individuals because the glass piece that's purchased online that maybe a production piece, which is cool because people get production pieces all the time. But knowing that if you purchased it from a shop like Duncan's or a shop like Mike's or a shop like Kristen's, that's also comes with an insurance payment. It comes with a rent payment. It comes with paying employees. It comes with taxes. It kind of comes with that whole legal side of the world that I know sounds rough, but You want to be a business. You want, like, everybody says, why can't we just go to a liquor store? A liquor store also has insurance, rent, employees. Like, the overhead is higher on that side. And it's already such a challenge to go legal that even when the laws open up and we fight and we get what we want, you should be able to take advantage of those changes the moment they happen, you know? So be a business, be able to... And there's ways to do it. There's always ways. I think that everybody who deals with cannabis is a... They everybody likes to consider themselves a consultant or something. So, you know, there's there's always an avenue for intellectual property and to just be a business. There's a lot of people who just incorporate themselves, and that way they become a business in general. And it may not have a storefront, may not have anything, but they still have business expenses. They're still oh, to- I
0: that's how I do it, my
3: brother. <laughs> you know, so just <laughs> and do it. And this isn't a cannabis, uh, topic. This is a people business topic. Yep. Small business is the lifeblood of America and most of the world. Um yep. while being beaten up by the large corporate individuals and the large corporations. Because let's be for real, we want to say large corporate, technically the the larger cannabis companies are still considered middle sized businesses in the great scale of the conglomerate. Oh, and they're like, like Walmart, Walmart. Right. Marlboro. Right. And Walmart, Exactly. Or the pharmaceuticals. So you know, there's take the time and become a business of yourself. Jay-Z said it best. You know, if you want to be a businessman, you got to be a businessman. So yeah. um, that's where we're at, I think. So just giving that heads up, find out what it takes to become a business, because something as simple as doing a little bit of driving around becomes tax deductible. Yep. You know, purchasing yep. small packages and things like that start to become tax deductible. And you you find a way to do things and you just try to stay within the frame that's easily shakable for both sides, the government's going to try to shake it on their side. Why not shake it on your side?
0: Absolutely. I agree, Lou. I totally agree. Oh, also,
3: happy, hol- happy holidays. Not one stoner cannabis user, light cannabis user, not one a person who is pro-cannabis is going to give away free edibles to anybody. So let's just hammer <laughs> that out. Let's um, start with that. I, right. right on. Right. Edibles all are right. expensive. They happening.
0: That's right. That is not going to happen. So, all right. Um, let's wrap it up. I wanted to give a quick shout out to Urban Legends for blessing me this weekend at a Hexpo and to these my guys at the Smoke Porch for hooking me up with this dope little cap. But anyway, um, and a shout out to the of Warriors doing a food drive. You can go visit them on Wednesdays and Saturdays if you in Hamden. If you want more info, go visit the of Warriors Facebook page. And of course, on Fridays and Sundays, if you want to learn and go get educated about cannabis, you can head up to the Burn and Learn Center up there in North Brantford. All right, Kristen, anything else before we head into our guests?
1: I think we covered most of what I know about. I'm sure there's things going on, you know, smaller private events that just didn't hit my radar, but that is about it.
0: Okay, All right. And we'll post those up uh, as we get them. So just keep. Keep following us at Greenhaven Media. Follow Kristen, and uh, you know if you want to stay up to date on what's happening in CT. Uh, and if you have events, please feel free to send them over to us. All right, so here we go. We with us today. We have Jason Ortiz, Adrian Roja, and Francis Trousdale of the Last Prisoner Project. So the last prisoner project, hang on, let me get my uh, thing up here, was founded in 2019 out of the belief that no one should remain incarcerated or suffering the collateral consequences of offenses that are now legal. We brought together a group of justice impacted individuals, policy and education experts and leaders in the world of criminal justice and drug policy reform to work to end the fundamental injustice that is America's policy of cannabis prohibition and the war on drugs. Our dedicated team works tirelessly to achieve our goal of freeing tens of thousands of individuals still unjustly imprisoned and creating front-end systemic reform in our criminal legal system. Welcome everybody. Um, Jason, let's start with you because, uh, how are you today, Jason? Jason Ortiz needs no introduction. We've known him on this show since the beginning of the show and before that. He's been the founder and a pioneer in this industry, started numerous, the MCBA, SSDP, Cure Connecticut, and Jason is on now to a new frontier, the Last Prisoner Project. Jason, how are you today? It's always a pleasure to
2: see your face. Doing good here in New London. It's a little gray and rainy but always happy to be on the show and talk a little bit more about what we're going to do with the legislature in the next session and also on the list of accomplishments is also a founder of CT Canna Warriors. Is definitely- oh
0: that's right you are one of the founding members as am I. Uh,
2: resume there. That's right we are founders
0: yes you know, gotta give us because Warriors of is still around it's stronger and, than
2: ever exactly right and so there were a lot of folks that said oh after legalization right like we're not going to still do stuff we're more active now than we've ever been before yeah,
0: because there's a lot yeah. more to yeah. do <laughs> yes. now we got mushrooms now we got fixed <laughs> we got to fix what the state screwed up so right I mean, exactly
2: <laughs> and we got to make sure that we go back and all the things we didn't get done during the legalization fight are getting done now and that's a big reason why i joined and this is part of what, of what you're
0: taught right with because they also promised us a lot of things with. The justice system so, sure. and, which they've delivered some, some but not
2: completely <laughs> right for sure and some we knew when it passed were underwhelming right and so like yeah. retroactive relief like actually letting folks out of prison that are currently incarcerated was not included in the original legalization fight and in most states it's not included and no. so the last prisoner project we are national but connecticut is definitely one of our focus states i live in connecticut our right. esteemed executive director, Sarah Gersten, also lives in Connecticut. And so the people of Connecticut are really, you know, fortunate that we have so many badass organizers that are here that we can fight together. Uh, yeah. But I'm super excited to introduce my team and the policy department yeah. of LPP. You brought friends. Yes, I did. We got a whole squad. <laughs> I brought a cavalry this time. Apparently, last time I didn't have enough muscle. And so I wanted to bring a little extra intellectual heft uh, to the fight moving forward. But Absolutely. Like to introduce Adrian Roca, who is our policy manager, who has been instrumental in helping me fully understand all the possibilities around different types of retroactive relief, resentencing, connotations, pardons, expungements, right? like There's so many different ways we can go about it. And then also Francis Trousdale, who is our policy associate, who was the lead drafter of our 50-state report on cannabis justice in the United States. And so we'll talk a little bit about where Connecticut falls and all that. But I would like to give my colleagues a chance to introduce themselves, tell a little bit of where they're from. Yes. I brought them into drug policy and their roles in The Last Prisoner Project. And we'll start with Adrian and then go to Francis.
0: Very cool.
4: Yeah. Hi, everyone. Uh, thank you so much for making time for us today. super appreciate it. Uh, no problem. Really it's an important to... topic. Absolutely. Um, yeah. So really just wanted to give a small overview of what my um, sort of path to this sort of um, lane of criminal justice reform started as. And so I uh, i am originally from El Paso, Texas, but have lived in the deep south of Mississippi or Louisiana for the past 10 years. Um, I was originally working for another nonprofit called the Southern Poverty Law Center,
5: helping oh, okay. build
4: class action. Yep. <laughs> yep. So I was uh, an outreach paralegal with those folks, uh, helping build class action lawsuits about okay. a bunch of different issues. And as part of my work there, I was advocating for individual or children who have behavioral health disabilities. And one of the things that became apparent to me is that um, parents could not participate in these meetings uh, with teachers if they had cannabis convictions. And so the first time that that happened, uh. it was kind of like, huh, that's a weird thing that happens. And the second time, you're kind of like, okay, maybe there's a pro- problem. And by the third time, you're like, okay, this is a thing that needs to be addressed. And so
1: yeah. as
4: part of SPLC, we were building these class action lawsuits, but they take forever to get an actual outcome. And so I started thinking about what can we do on the front end and policy-wise to implement these same things that we're trying to do through lawsuits. Uh, And through that and a bunch of different paths, I ended up becoming a founding member of what's known as the Clean Slate Initiative. So the idea that an expungement should be automatic as opposed to a petition-based process. And once I really learned all those techniques, I took really great notes uh, and was happy to lend a um, cannabis-centric vision to that because as states consider to legalize, we really believe that is a proof of concept that you can add to over time, but we really need to prioritize individuals who have offenses for conduct that is not even legalized anymore, and more egregiously that is being profited off of. So uh, that is the mission of LPP and really happy to to be here and talk about it. And I'll pass over to Francis who's done such tremendous work to really uh, make it accessible for folks to see how states are doing on that front.
5: Hi, everyone. It's nice to meet you. I'm excited to be here. My name is Francis, And much like Adrian, my background is also more in the criminal justice lane. And I got here because I was doing a lot of resentencing work. And I found that most of the states that were considering new avenues towards resentencing were really only looking at it for much longer term sentences. So that was either life sentences or individuals who are wrongfully convicted. And In very few states had there been reforms that included avenues for relief for people serving for drug-related offenses. And I thought it was so insane to see the dichotomy between these fully operating markets and these dispensaries that look like Apple stores while people were still serving sentences. So I wanted to move more into that realm and ensure that this population had people fighting for these policies and for this relief and... I'm proud to say that we're seeing some progress and I think we'll get more into that soon.
0: Well, yeah. And, and it, I like the idea. You guys uh, are a fairly new organization just started in 2019 and you know, that fits right in with the timeline when this st- actually started to be something that uh, became an issue with legalization. You know what I mean? Like people started to realize that there were still people in jail even though cannabis had been legalized since twenty sixteen in Colorado and Washington still people in jail for the plant that shouldn't be. and I, I really commend you guys for taking up the reins on that and really following it through. Um, so Jason, um I you guys now have put together a fifty state report, and we're gonna go over that today. But Francis, why did you guys, what was your goal with that? And let's start with our favorite state, Connecticut. Where do we fall into that? I got this thing right here. And we're going to look at it. But uh, what, what was your goal with this whole report? Because it's 50 states. It's very comprehensive. I'm very impressed with it. Um, What was your goal with the, the whole putting it together?
5: I would say the primary goal was I have been pleasantly surprised to see that as more and more states have worked to legalize, record clearance and resentencing has become increasingly commonplace. And we've seen that in recent years, nearly every state that has legalized has included record clearance and many of them resentencing. But at the same time, we found that when we connected with constituents, or we really looked into the policies, this relief was not actually being effectuated. And we found that there was insane variation in terms of what these policies actually made accessible and what was actually operational at the state level for these impacted individuals. So we really wanted to draw attention to this widespread variation in policy and the general mediocrity that we saw. And I would say the ultimate goal was to assess the accessibility of this relief. So there are a lot of states that claim we've enacted record clearance, we've enacted resentencing, but we wanted to see How accessible is it for these impacted individuals to actually be resentenced or to actually have their records cleared? And we found that in tons and tons of states, regardless of what policies they claim to have implemented, a lot of them are just not there. And that's because of a variety of things, such as the eligibility criteria or if the state initiates it or the individual or if there are fines and fees associated and tons and tons of more you know, very separate and specific nuances that make these policies really varied in how effective they actually are. Right.
0: So we have a map up here and it's showing that we have now 23 adult use states. We're almost at the halfway mark, you know, that usually means the feds have to take notice. And I showed the graph earlier and we can see how these states every year just keep climbing. It's an upward graph, you know, of states that are legalizing. And like you said, they make promises, but they don't necessarily follow through on them, which is why you need to keep track of them and get, kind of give them this report card. <laughs> so let's start with the report card. And why don't we start with our our the state that we're broadcasting from. How Where does Connecticut fall? Because that was a big thing that we did fight for during the legalization campaign. Uh, Something, again, that probably didn't come up until after 2019. You know, before that, it wasn't really included in any of the bills, but we pushed for it. And, you know, the state made a big deal when they did clear uh, a bunch of records, but they didn't also say that they didn't completely do the job. So where did what kind of grade did they get? Because they're touting themselves as the greatest thing ever they got. They think they got an A. What is it? What are you giving them?
5: So to try and get though, to Connecticut with a C plus oh. which, to put things in perspective, there are more states in the D and F range combined than in the a, B and C range combined. So Connecticut is at the upper median of the. It's state.
0: a C student. He's a C student.
5: You know we all we all know the sort and
0: yeah I will it's say, it's typical of connecticut
5: yeah there was no <laughs> grading inflation here i i was not generous in getting <laughs> these grades but we all know what a c plus is it could definitely be better and i would say where connecticut really falls behind is in the recent yeah, I'm looking rate. right here Let's and see. you know they're The record clearance could certainly be better in terms of the eligibility scheme is not super broad. There's no enforceable timeline. So there's no way of really holding the state accountable to effectuate and release in any timely manner. And there's no oversight. So there's no one watching over to say you're doing it or you're not.
0: They're supposed to be.
5: (laughs) They're supposed to be, but there's not. And then we see on the resentencing front, they fall behind in every category. There's yet to a truly operational or expedited
0: zero out of three
5: yeah zero out of three there so i would say that's where particularly regionally connecticut really falls behind
0: right and you can see it's up on the screen and you can find this report if you're interested and i'll put the link up on our page after the show but it's last State-of-cannabis-justice dash dash report. Very interesting report. I've been reading it over since they sent it over to me. So, okay, so we got Connecticut. We're okay. We're in the mid-ground. Did you find any big surprises? Who's the best? Who's the worst?
5: There were a number of surprises. I would say the states that really stood out as surprises were Alaska and Maine. Alaska and, and both Alaska of these states were at the very front end of legalization. They allowed recreational use in 2015 and 2016, respectively. Yet, they both lack cannabis-specific avenues for either record clearance or resentencing. So these states are in a super unique position of being amongst the first to end the penalties, but Mm -hmm. amongst the last to redress the harms, which is a very staggering disparity. So I would say those were the states that really came as a surprise in maine
0: is a big surprise to me you know yeah, they and- claim to be very progressive and they were their program is kind of quite different than anyone else in new england uh that's very surprising let me yeah, just bring surprising. up maine for a minute but what were you going to you know while you're i didn't mean to interrupt you What? Were, no what no were, you're good okay go ahead we're at maine now yeah they're deep
5: in terms of other surprises and in terms of which states were the best it's important to note that There were states doing decently well, California and Minnesota really standing apart. With that said, this report does not analyze the implementation of a policy. It only analyzes the statutory language of a policy. And that's because there is really widespread variation in terms of how well a state reports data and reports what they're actually doing. And so I found that when I tried to account implementation numbers, into this evaluation, it actually worked against the states that were doing more rigorous reporting. And it didn't feel fair to award the states that weren't reporting. Mm. So I decided to just stick to the language and the statute. So when you see, you know, the top four states, it's California, Minnesota, Maryland, and New Mexico.
0: Minnesota's it's- a new one too. They're they're just yeah. this year. So they're okay. Mm-hmm. So that's good. And Maryland, but- as a matter of fact.
5: It's worth taking all of that with a grain of salt, particularly, you know, you take a case like Minnesota. The structure of the separate review board is likely to cause pretty significant delays. And the state is yet to appoint the board that's supposed to oversee it in California, which has had these policies in place for a pretty long time. There's still 20,000 people without relief. And in Maryland, they're yet to enact these provisions. So, you know, when we say these are the states with the best language language. I really urge everyone to consider it's just the best language, and there is a big, big gap between good language and good implementation. And we're yet to see a state that's perfectly implementing.
0: You mean A for effort?
5: A for effort, exactly. <laughs> right.
0: Because, like I said, two of those states are new, so we don't know. But you know what? What is heartening is that the newer states are now almost putting this in automatically. Mm -hmm. It doesn't have to be fought for anymore. Like sort of what we went through in Connecticut and other states, like it's become a part of now, when you do a legalization bill, you put in some kind of relief, justice, relief, expungement, or whatever, whereas it didn't go in, in the early States, it wasn't even part of the conversation.
5: Yeah. And I'll add that since 2018, A hundred percent of the 13 states that have legalized have included record clearance. Mm -hmm. And since 2021, they've all been state initiated, which is huge. And resentencing is slower to take hold in terms of becoming that commonplace, but it's still growing and it's been included in more than half of the legalization bills since 2020.
0: Right. And that's what I'm talking about. As we move forward, it becomes standard practice. That was the word I was looking for. And that's what we want. You know what I mean? That's what we want. I really appreciate you guys staying on their backs and making sure they do what they say. Because, gee, uh, you know, that does, that's very common with them. But,
4: um, totally. And I'll just say very quickly, because we have California up, that gap between becoming a standard practice of including that language versus the implementation that's where our value add as an organization really comes in. And California up, and I'll use it as a very quick example, where California was one of the first states to include the idea of um, releasing individuals for cannabis offenses and clearing their record. When we took a deep dive into that law, we saw that there was a significant uptake gap between those who were actually eligible and those who were getting released or getting their mm. record cleared. So we took a look at that language there and said, how can we improve it? And in 2022, we passed a law AB 1706 that we sponsored that really cleaned up that statute to make it enforceable, to include timelines, to include data transparency, uh, and really strict guidelines on what each agency that has these records or has potential knowledge of who these people are must actually do in order to effectuate that release. Uh, And so those are the types of things that as states continue to legalize uh, and the language gets better, there needs to be that focus on implementation and we stand ready to help any state who's willing to analyze that problem and present some solutions to make
2: it workable.
0: Yeah, absolutely. You make a good point. And it's something sometimes you have to spell it out for them. You know, <laughs> so, no, this is how we need to do it. Um, and, you know, that's fine. As long as there's people like us out there to do it, we're fine. Yeah, I'd rather have us writing it than them. But um, so um, what is a retroactive relief? anyway it's it's for people who have been uh <clears throat> retroactive relief is for people who have been incarcerated right okay
5: yeah so retroactive relief is working to ensure that when a policy is implemented it applies retroactively so it applies right. to so it's not just from this day forward right. Yeah. so if we're saying you can no longer be charged for cannabis then we're also looking at the people who have previously been charged for cannabis offenses.
0: That's right, that's right, absolutely. Um, so what can Connecticut learn? What can we do better? What can we learn from the other states? Is there any kind of things we could adopt from some of the other states to help us do better?
5: Francis? Yeah. I would say there's a lot. I would say first and <laughs> foremost, a broad eligibility scheme goes a long way and making sure that, you know, the, the thing with cannabis offenses is so often it incorporates ancillary and concurrent charges. So Mm. you can say that it's a much bigger charge than what it actually is. And the example I often give for this is you smell an odor, you search a vehicle, you find an unregistered firearm, and then you're in for what looks like a pretty serious offense, but really you're there because you were caught smoking a joint or even worse, just the scent of weed itself. So in a lot of these states, when the cutoff is mere possession, we find that individuals who are really serving for a primarily cannabis-related offense are not actually eligible for this relief. So I would say making sure that it goes pretty broadly to include actually impacted individuals, I would say a timeline is really important because we find in a lot of these states, people sit and sit and wait for what could be decades and there's no way of really holding the state accountable. And similar to that, notification and oversight to make sure that individuals are aware they're eligible for relief or that they've received it, and that there's someone looking over the state's back and saying, you got to do this and you got to do it quickly and you got to do it well. And then the biggest point for Connecticut would be resentencing, where really no movement has happened. And, you know, Connecticut has other avenues towards resentencing, but our argument here is cannabis deserves an expedited pathway. And while Mm -hmm. there is an operating market out there, these individuals need relief faster than the state's able to offer right now. So making sure that there is a super, super timely avenue that is cannabis specific is essential.
4: Right. I would say too, in Connecticut, that's not just our argument, that's an action that we've actually been working towards. So last year um, in partnership with Jason, um, we introduced a bill to actually include sentence modification for individual cannabis offenses. Um, and we got it through the the Connecticut House and we ran out of time um, in the yeah. legislative body. Uh, and so I would say, you know, last session we ran out of time and this session we really shouldn't run out of ten- uh, tenacity because ending prohibition yeah. and creating a new legal market simply isn't enough, right? We need um, to ensure that individuals who have these convictions have an opportunity at release so they can be whole as an individual and make their families whole. And so um, it's a thing that we're continuing to look at in Connecticut to improve because we know these folks are still there. And as a yeah. point, right? Um, even though the bill didn't pass, uh, the, the lobbying that Jason was able to do on the ground actually led to a pretty significant development in which, um, you know, the, as you said at the beginning of the show, right, like the Connecticut governor's office is really big about hoorah! we did all these cannabis convictions, uh, or we expunged them. There were still people stuck in the pipeline. So there was pending criminal charges that were yeah. sort of left out. And through our advocacy, 1500 individuals who were stuck in that pipeline had their cannabis charges dropped. Uh, oh. and so even though the bill didn't get all the way, there was still significant impact of that sort of mobilization and advocacy. Right. And Just course- by
0: making it bring into it our attention. Yeah,
4: absolutely. Yeah. And we're here to fill that gap and want to see and ensure that the last prisoner in Can- in Connecticut for cannabis is set free.
0: Right. Very, very cool. All right, Jason, let's wrap this up. So what are your goals this year? We have a short session, the legislation this year. What are your goals? What are you going to be working on a, as LPP, obviously, uh, specifically in Connecticut, this legislative session?
2: Well, we're going to be pushing again the same bill we did last time for retroactive relief, right? Like literally until we see the last cannabis prisoner released from prison and we're not adding any more <laughs> people to prison, right? Because Right in the name and folks are still getting arrested that's the other thing we want to remind folks yes that's I
0: mean, another thing i want to bring up it's very disturbing to me that uh we had that big arrest for a man growing do you in know in west I mean?
2: hartford of all yes. places in his backyard we're still yeah. using helicopters to fly yeah. over people's houses to see no man
0: if it's legal it's legal whether <laughs> well, it's growing well, or dried
2: and this is where the word legalization gets a little tricky because we commercialized cannabis in a lot of ways and we need aspects mm-hmm. of it but Things like sales, right? Like we still haven't really grappled with what resentencing for those who sold cannabis looks like Mm -hmm. or grew cannabis in their house. Or who get
0: caught selling it in the future.
2: Which right now, cannabis companies are able to grow and sell thousands of pounds of cannabis while there are still people who are suffering criminalization for it. So we still have a lot of work to do to talk about the economic side of this. And as we start to expand our conversations into other substances, making sure that we are being comprehensive and including retroactive relief and things like psilocybin as well. And so definitely retroactive relief and getting everybody out of prison is our primary goal. And on top of that, we will also be looking at other ways to eliminate criminal penalties that are currently on the books. Because again, we can't get to the last cannabis prisoner if we don't stop putting people in prison. (laughs) over cannabis and so we're gonna have a yeah. lot to do on the psychedelic side of things we will also be supporting psychedelic decrim and we have a lot of work to do on the details there same thing about talking about cultivation you know sales what does licensing look like are we even talking a regulated market or are we just talking decriminalization right there's a lot of conversations that need to happen. you guys before. might have
0: to write the bill again
2: <laughs> which we're happy to <laughs> have that. to Right. But I think, you know, in the other places, mobilizing the community as always, right? Like, mm-hmm. an active advocate community here. And so like, we're going to be making sure that everybody is as informed as possible, that the Uh, policies we're putting forth are vetted from experts and home growers and everything in between and just making sure that whenever the governor decides to use his executive authority to actually release all the prisoners that are currently incarcerated we're here to help him do that and so there will also be an executive branch pressure that needs to happen because all governors but specifically you know our governor Ned Lamont have the power to solve this problem without it having to go through the legislature yeah no
0: he uses that power he uses it in the cannabis laws yeah
2: (laughs) especially folks that were growing a certain amount of plants in their house which they could be locked up for or selling. that that's
0: my thing jason why is it they're still arresting people for growing yep but they're not arresting people for possession. Like you can possess um, a, a, a lot and still just get fined.
2: Sure. And I but think if you know, want to keep, keep the pressure on the legislature, because they can definitely do a lot, but not letting Ned Lamont off the hook at the same time. Like there's yeah. work that the executive branch can do. And so we'll be pushing on that aspect as well. And, uh, you know, invite everyone to join us. I'm sure we'll be working with Christina and the Connecticut Canna Warriors to do some lobby days And so definitely have, you know, bill numbers and things like that as we get closer. But resentencing, making sure folks get out of prison, decriminalizing any further, you know, psychedelic substances that we may be talking about, and then making sure that every branch of government in Connecticut is helping to finally really and like at its core end the war on our community. And the only way we're going to do that is by making sure that there's nobody in a cage for a plan.
0: Right. Then that is the, hence the name, the last prisoner project, you know, and speaking of psychedelics um, next week is a big week uh, in Connecticut for psychedelics. we got two big events. Uh, there's a big meeting on Wednesday, I believe the ninth. Um, and that's in Hamden. You can find out about that through the Can warriors and, and we will also have them as a guest on the show on the 13th. And I'm finding more and more um that more states and the focus is shifting over to cannabis I mean over to psilocybin will we be pursuing that bill that did not get voted on last year will we be bringing that back in a different form has that been discussed with I know Josh Elliott was a big proponent of that bill
2: I mean, it, it's definitely a great start, right? Like we have to go through it line by line and see if it's actually what our coalition wants to be able to put forward. I know there's some disagreement on fines and fees and what home grow looks like and things like that. So we definitely have some work to do. But for us at the last prisoner project, right, it's really about anytime something is getting decriminalized or changing its legal status that we're including retroactive relief. So it's less specifically about which drug we're talking about. And so if, you know, MDMA were to be decriminalized, right? We really want to put forward a policy that says anytime something gets decriminalized, there's automatic relief for folks that are under that particular- Right, standard practice. Right, and so that's gonna be a big thing for us is not having to do this every single time, one drug at a time, right? Like that's just gonna be madness. And so we can pass a policy that just says automatically, this is what's gonna happen. And some work has been done to that effect, but we will be looking at what incarceration looks like for psilocybin and other psychedelics, and where the mechanisms are similar, where they're different, right? The one thing to consider is that psychedelics often were harsher sentences than cannabis. I was
0: going to talk about that, the resentencing, and how is that different from
2: cannabis? Actually, Adrian might be able to talk about that one specifically the best.
4: Yeah, uh, so I would say, you know, with cannabis, we know that it was often the building block to more significant charges. So going back to Francis's um, example, right, of Uh, There was an odor of cannabis coming from a car and that individual gets a um, gun offense. And so when they go through the conviction process, right, it's actually the gun offense that's giving them the time, even though the cannabis charge is what led to that gun offense. And with psychedelics, it might actually be the inverse where the the amount of psychedelics is responsible for that significant amount of time. And so as we're looking through and and thinking about what psychedelic decriminalization looks like and how it could affect individuals who are serving time, we really need states to, to really consider what is the intention and the purpose of the the use of this specific um, um, substance? And we've seen that there are significant um, therapeutic benefits, right? And dosage for therapeutic use looks very different for every individual. And so by the letter Mm -hmm. of the law, Mm -hmm. that amount that you need to have a therapeutic practice might be a felony. Uh, And so we really need states to consider that as part of the argumentation for undoing these sort of long, unjust sentences.
0: So it is a little bit different in a different way you make up a good point let's say they find somebody with a bag of weed and they also have a bag of mushrooms yeah um you know they're oh use a 50 dollar fine for the weed but you know but they didn't smell the mushrooms they weren't looking you know you can't smell mushrooms
2: and and there's going to be a lot of folks that were previously ineligible or off our radar because we were only talking about simple possession of cannabis that could have concurrent charges right that it was like shrooms and cannabis or mdma and cannabis that previously you know the governor has said you know no but if we decriminalize psilocybin then those folks that had both should be released right and so it's going to get really interesting of how we're going to be able to work through all that process Mm. it's a people power problem if the governor wants to get this done he can set aside the money to hire the staff to go through everything and make it happen If it's a data tracking problem, then let's set aside the money to update our data tracking, right? There's lots of ways we can address this. But I do want it to be very clear that it is a solvable problem, that if the governor wants to do it, he just has to put the resources behind it to do it. And so we're happy to help them do that, right, and show them the fastest, most effective way, bring in national support to do that. But it is a political choice at this point for them to have that data or not. And so it's up to us as the people to pressure our politicians to make that political choice because it's what's right for our community.
0: Right, and then sometimes they don't always make the choice that is right. <laughs> right, And they for don't our make it, community,
2: not, uh, asking a lot, right? And so yeah,
0: yeah, you really, for, yeah.
2: <laughs> that it's very clear uh, what we're asking for, and you know how we can help make it happen, and just leave as many excuses as possible off the table until we get the job done.
0: Yeah, and people can, of course, get involved in the process by calling their legislators, emailing their legislators, tell them you're behind. Psilocybin reform, telling you're behind, you know, expungement, resentencing, you know, especially if people have personal stories, It's you know, a legislator will always love to hear from one of his constituents who has a either benefited, thank you so much for releasing my son, you know, or has not, you know, has still awaiting their justice. So it's really important that your legislators and your lawmakers hear your stories. If you have had a positive experience with this, if it has helped you, tell your lawmaker, tell somebody, even in your, you know, and the same thing if you have had a negative experience. So it's very important to communicate with these
2: people. And next year is an election year. So yep. well aware of the presidential elections, but also all state senators and all state representatives are also running for re-election. And so going to their fundraising events and bringing this up in front of all their donors is a good, easy tactic that just about everyone can take, but also hosting a forum, right? Like, ask that always works. you, right, and your people to earn your vote and invite myself or other Last President Project folks there to really press them yep. on the details. But everybody has a part to play in making this happen, both at the Capitol, but also in the home mm-hmm. districts on
0: their local level. This is what I I'm very impressed with what they're doing over there in Hamden. They realize, you know, cause they had such success the first time they realize that really the way to make the change is start locally. Sure. And so they're starting in Hamden. If you can get one town to do it, you have a model now. And this is yeah. what I tell people in other towns with cannabis. If Hamden will do it, Go to Middletown, Kristen. Right. Go, go. You <laughs>
1: know, the best be of luck, place. man. Yeah. Yeah. I'll do what I can.
0: I know. <laughs> I you got to pick Middletown. the right town. Maybe, um, I don't know, New London.
2: Come to New London. New anyway. London, you and know. And this is going to be a conversation for another show, but we do also have to look at the difference between resolutions and ordinances and what really does decriminalize and what doesn't. Um, but I think that is exactly the kind of conversations we should be having so that we all are informed on the details and they're actually sure that our work is really effective. Right. Not just feel good. Uh, but there's a lot of work to do. And next year, we're going to need all hands on deck. So definitely reach out. To yeah. People. Reach if out to one of the Canna Warriors because we definitely need people everywhere across the state. Well,
0: speaking of that, <laughs> um, we only got a couple minutes left. So how can people get in touch with you, your team, uh, Last Prisoner Project, Um, you know, the, just social media, every way we can find out?
2: Sure. Yeah, you can definitely find us Last Prisoner Project is all of our social media handles, and LastPrisonerProject.org is the website where you can find the fifty state report, share it with folks in other states. You know, it's them to check out the report card, and you know, you right. it's kind of cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. It's a very useful tool, and it definitely creates a situation where anyone can start a conversation on these different yeah of resentencing. And it is still very useful to the point where the legislators, if they want to then reach out to us as far as like, why did we get this number or how do we improve it? Like we Yeah, happy.
0: I'd love it. You can use it when you hey, you got an F. Yeah, who did get an F by the way? Uh,
1: so many. <laughs> like <laughs> Alabama. I was like when you were scrolling fast, I was like, oh man.
2: You could probably Connecticut get got a C plus for effort. <laughs> I mean that that's that's what I got in my statistics class at UConn and they passed me. So I came <laughs> up.
1: Right? Same calculus. Uh, well, that's made what connects us. They're
0: happy with their C <laughs> student. Uh, I took it.
2: But uh, I'm Jason at lastprisonerproject.org. We're definitely always interested in hearing more from folks, and especially any legislators that are watching, right? Happy to go over the details. Adrian and Francis are fantastic and supporting folks that want to do the right thing. So join the squad of doing the right thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Otherwise, we'll come knocking on your door demanding to <laughs> do the
0: right thing. All <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, Adrian uh, and Francis, any last words before we sign off?
4: Yep, yeah, I'll just say really quickly, uh, it was real pleasure to be here. And this is a small portion of the larger movement that we're part of at Last Prisoner Project. So if anyone is listening and they know folks who are currently incarcerated for cannabis offense or someone who's transitioning out, we do provide reentry grants and we do provide uh, pro bono representation for individuals on that post-conviction side. So anybody who's listening that knows someone in that situation, please come through the website, uh, leave some information, and we can definitely contact you. So thank you again. Really appreciate it.
0: All right. Very good. How about you, Francis? real quick?
5: They've covered everything, but it was so nice to be here. Great to talk to you. I know everything Adrian said there.
0: All right. Thank you all for joining us. um, And thank you all for your great work. Keep it up. And please, if you can get involved, get involved. And we hope to see you around Connecticut a lot more, guys. Um, All right, Kristen, any last words before we sign off?
1: I don't. This was a great show, though. Thank you guys so much. That was really interesting. I love the politics and kind of advocacy side of everything. So this was great.
0: And how can they get a hold of you if they want to? Uh, um. Party?
1: Uh. I guess my social handles are probably the best. So I'm on LinkedIn as Kristen Souza and uh, Instagram is classic underscore kristen classic with a K. All
0: right, Lou. Any any last words? I'm getting the word to say goodbye.
3: Like every every week, I hope everybody stays happy, healthy, and high.
0: All right, and you can follow me at Joe the Weed Guy on all social media at Greenhaven Media and at Cannabis Corner Radio. So we're all over the place. We will see you next week. We got a great guest. Thank you, Last Visitor Project, for joining us, Jason Francis, Adrian. Thank you again. Thank you, Kristen. Thank you, Lewis. Thank you to the cannabis community and thank you to everybody who. Mend of that fence this weekend. I love you all. all
2: right, take care everybody. i was out in my room until I got high. Ooh, I was gonna get up and find the broom, but then I got high. Uh my room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, because I got high. because I got high, because I got high. Before I got high, come on y'all Check it out. Uh, I could have cheated and I could have passed, but I got high. Uh uh I'm taking it next semester and I know why, why man. Yeah, hey, cause I got high, because I got high, because I got high